Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. This episode is brought to you in partnership with my friends over at Kona. Those of you that have been listening to the show for a long time know that I am a huge fan of the remote work movement. However, I also recognize it comes with some challenges. One of those challenges that plagues many remote teams is employee burnout or employee dissatisfaction with their jobs. This is really hard to monitor as a leader when your teammates are not sitting face-to-face with you in an office anymore. But that's what Kona was built to tackle and they've done a phenomenal job. The co-founders over there are friends and people who have truly built something to help people and help remote workers more specifically. So I love what they're doing. It makes a huge impact for their customers and I'm excited to partner with them here. You can find out more and get 15 percent off your team subscription by going to the link in the show notes and using the code chase at checkout feel free to ask me any questions i highly recommend this product and am excited to hear what the about abroad community thinks check out the link in the show notes and use the code chase at checkout to get 15 percent off your subscription my guest today is mandy friends she is an absolute powerhouse in the world of remote work building and founding Remote Workers Worldwide, which is the largest online community of remote workers in the world. Almost 100,000 members growing every day as we speak. She's also been on the LinkedIn Top Voices for Remote Work and the Remote Influencer Report put out by Remote.com, amongst many other accolades. But uh, for the purposes of our conversation today, she's also a full-time traveler. She's currently looking to move abroad to Portugal, where she's been spending much of the last year. And she's looking at building something really unique, a community for remote workers to come together in tiny homes there in Portugal as well. So we get into all of this as well as her personal journey and how she came to be where she is today. It was a lot of fun. I've wanted to get to know Mandy for quite a while, and we finally got a chance to do that. So I thoroughly enjoyed this. I hope you all will as well. Please help me in welcoming Mandy to About Abroad. (laughs) I've been so looking forward to this conversation because I think you and I probably agree on this. I feel like we're friends already, but we've never met. Uh, We like end up on all these same lists together. We interact a lot on, on social media and I love the work that you do. And I'm like, but how, how is it possible we've never met? And then, you know, here we are today. So I have some like really basic questions that we got to get out of the way. Uh, but first of all, good, good to see you, Mandy. Thanks for coming on the show. Yes. Thanks so much for having me, Chase. And likewise, I feel like, uh, you know, I know you already quite well just from following your LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn content. So uh, I'm just really curious to hear more about your story as well. And uh, just, just to catch up on anything uh, business and, uh, and life. Yeah, we'll have we'll have lots to talk about. So I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun and uh, really the kind of episode that I designed this show to be from the beginning. I wanted the chance to get to know people um, from throughout the the world that you and I live in, and um, and just you know have the chance to chat with them and, and share stories and stuff like that. So I think we'll be able to to get to to all of that. I'm going to start with a really tough question. Um, I hope you're ready. We're, we're getting out of the gates like real strong. 
All right. I'm uh, getting ready for it. <laughs> all right. You're going to have to turn your, your uh, brain power on for this one. I have no idea where you are from. I know you live in Portugal and I'm so curious. I can't, like I was trying to place your accent when we were just talking and I'm like, I have no idea where you're actually from. So enlighten us. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I'm so happy that my accent doesn't reveal where I'm from because uh, I always hate that. <laughs> but uh, I'm actually also um, not living in Portugal. I'm planning to move to Portugal by the end of this year. So uh, that is one, uh, one fun fact. And I'm actually currently in Spain, where I think you are located as well. Am I correct? Yeah, I'm, I've lived in Spain, but I am currently in Germany um, as we're doing this recording. Oh, you are. All right. So you're close to my home country. So uh, I'm not from Germany, but I'm from the Netherlands, as uh, some people might be able to tell from my accent still. <laughs> but uh, I'm just from a, a small town nearby Rotterdam, the Netherlands. I'm not sure if you've ever ever made it to, uh, to the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. I've spent a good bit of time there, actually, and, uh, and love it. And actually, like... Do you, have you spent any time in Valencia, Spain, by, by any chance? Well, we were actually planning to go to Valencia. We were in Alicante before, and um, we just decided to uh, go to the south. So we're now currently in Andalusia because it's just so beautiful here. We spent, I spent here two years ago working remotely from like, different areas, and uh, I saw this very nice ocean view villa uh, with a nice outdoor co-working uh, or like uh, outdoor home office. And uh decided to go here instead. So um, I've never been to Valencia, but it's on my list. Uh, yeah. Doesn't sound terrible. So sounds like a, a pretty idyllic life there. I, I um, can relate to you. Like my first stop in Spain was in Andalusia. And I kind of thought that's like where I would go and be. And I loved it and could happily stay, could happily have stayed there. I ended up like making my way to Valencia and then just kind of like staying in Valencia. Um, but there's the reason I asked was, there's a huge number of like, like there's a ton of Dutch people in Valencia and it's like a funny running joke because like someone told me there's 24 or 26 flights, direct flights between the Netherlands and Valencia every single day. Oh, really? I can, I can so imagine. That's why actually I wanted to go because I keep hearing about Valencia and that I just need to go there because I think also the remote work community is quite big there and uh, it, it's supposed to have the Bali vibe. So I'm actually partly Indonesian. I'm not sure if you could tell. Uh, this is this um, is why the, there's, there's some confusion there. Now I got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look typical like the typical Dutchie. So uh, no, I'm half Indonesian, half Dutch. And uh, yeah, that's why uh, I love uh, kind of the Bali style that they have in Valencia that I heard of. So uh, it's still on the list. Never been, but happy to hear. I think so. Is that where you've been, where you're currently still based? And uh, I was curious to hear yeah, where you're currently based, but also, Chase, I have to admit, I don't even know where you're originally from. So, <laughs> oh, no, wait, you can't tell from my accent? I think it's the US, but. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I'm going to savor this for a second. Uh, this doesn't happen often. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have also, so I'm originally from the US, um, and uh, I've been living in Spain for about the last five years, and I've lived in a handful of different countries around the world before that and kind of moved back and forth between the US and, um, and other places over the years. But the last five years have been in Spain. And then about a year ago, um, my wife and I decided like, hey, let's, uh, let's go like we have a camper van and we were like, hey, let's go travel around for three, six months or so. And just like we left our apartment in, uh, in Valencia and just started traveling around. And we've been in Germany for a handful of months now. Um, kind of exploring like more of Central Europe. Um, yes, so super, it's been a lot super of fun. cool. 
I love the the van life. I've uh, I've been doing a week in a camper van last year in Portugal, and uh, that's actually yeah. Since then, um, uh, we've been like having our eyes on moving to Portugal because it was just so beautiful to you know live the van life and work remotely from a camper van and exploring the coast along the way. Um, but uh, yeah, a camper van is too tiny, I would say, for uh, <laughs> for a fixed home base. But uh, so we're going a little bit little bit bigger than that. But we'll tell you. Uh, We'll talk about that a bit more in the podcast, I think. <laughs> oh, I'm totally psyched to dive into that subject. Um, the uh, yeah, the van, I, I always have to clarify for people because like I've had so many people like I can't tell you even like family members. Um, like I was just back in the U.S. actually, and I almost every time I go back to the U.S., I see a friend or a family member or like a friend of a friend who maybe follows me on social media or something. And they'll say like, oh man, like how is it living in a van? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't live in the van. <laughs> it's like, it's a toy that I use like uh, to go travel, you know, sometimes like we're going to live in it for a month this summer, which is about all we can take. Uh, like two people and a big dog in a camper van. Uh, I, I, the, the people that can do it, I, my hat's off to them. Um, but like, I need a bit more space than that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, but still like for a month, like I did a week and already like a week was, uh, was super nice. Like one of our best, uh, memories from, uh, well, working remotely or from, uh, like working from outdoors and, you know, working uh, from the van and exploring, uh, beautiful places like Portugal, but uh, I, get, I imagine Spain is also a really nice, uh, destination for fan life. Yeah, I think you can't go wrong on the Iberian Peninsula with a with a van. Like so much beautiful coastline, cool like villages. You have a great combination of cities, villages, nature, um, uh, good weather. Normally, you know, like and and like a also like a relaxed. I, I think Portugal and Spain are very similar in this way. Like it's just a pretty relaxed approach. Like I, I really love driving around up in this part of the world in Central Europe and the Alps. And there's there's a lot of like natural beauty and stuff here. But it's also much more like regimented and like strict about where you can park and um, and things like that. And so like Spain, Portugal are much more, you know, tranquilo and just like, yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, so it makes for two different experiences. I can actually tell a fun uh, story about our <laughs> one of our van experiences that was actually actually turned out to be one of our best memories of that trip, um, which was, so there's this app that shows you what, the places where you can park because yes, there are still some restrictions of where you can park the camper van. Um, so there's this app, I'm not sure what it's called. Um, Is it Park for Night? Yes, exactly. That's, what, yeah. <laughs> That's the one, Park for Night. So they have this in Portugal as well. So I imagine in Spain, uh, in Spain too. And um, we use this. They, so they have like um, parking spots that you can pay for, which are kind of like legit. You can park there. You have like um, toiletries, whatever uh, that you can use. Uh, but there's also wild camping spots that you can spot with that app. So we wanted to go wild camping. And uh, one uh, night we wanted to have this wild camping experience and... Uh, our navigation somehow led us to somewhere in the middle of nowhere. So it was completely dark. And then our car, our, our van ended up stuck in the sand. So we couldn't move at all. And there was nothing around us. So like we were in the middle of nowhere in somewhere rural Portugal. Um, so we ended up like being stuck there for 18, 18 plus hours. However, we did have really good high-speed Wi-Fi. So we just ended up working the next day in the middle of nowhere, being stuck <laughs> in the uh, in Portugal um, and then waiting for the tractor to 
pull us out. <laughs> oh my God, that is hilarious. How did you, I'm curious one thing, how did you get really good Wi-Fi? Were you just using like mobile data or? Uh, we had this like, so the campervan provider, like the owner gave us this Wi-Fi hotspot, which was super fast. So um, yeah, even uh, even there it worked very well for video calls. <laughs> I'm So I'm uh, super stoked because I have just got Starlink in, uh, installed on the van. Oh, you do? Yeah, you so do. Starlink came out with a specific satellite for camper vans um, or camper vans, RVs, like something you can take on the road with you. It's called Starlink Roam. And um, so I've just gotten it installed because I like people, people will think it sounds crazy to go work in a van. They, they think they might even be like roll their eyes a little bit and be like, oh my God, it's so like stereotypical like a uh, millennial remote worker thing. Um, <laughs> but, but for me, it's actually, so I, I get a lot of inspiration and like energized by a change of location. And it's not something I would do all the time, but like to go work for a week in the van and like be in nature in a place that like beautiful surroundings. It also happens to be a new place, uh, like really energizes me. And also it's like a little mobile office. Like, you sh I mean, you're in there, you shut the door, you got, a, I've got a comfortable chair. I've got a laptop razor. A, like, it's like a little perfect mobile office with no distractions. And on my lunch break, I can go on a hike or go swimming in a lake or whatever. So it's like, it's perfect. I love that. I love that. Yes. And that's completely, yeah, I completely agree. Actually, the post about that recently about, you know, the importance of change of scenery. Uh, we've actually changed locations quite a while uh, the last few months. So I've been, I'm originally from Rotterdam, the Netherlands, but I've been, I still have a home base there. I still have my own apartment. Um, but we've been in Portugal since January uh, for a few months. And then uh, now I'm currently in uh, in Spain, and um, we were in one like cool living villa for for a few uh, few months, but now we've changed the uh, scenery quite a bit. So working from like ocean view places like this, but also working from the mountains, uh, a, a tiny house that <laughs> we will talk about a bit more um, as well. But this change of scenery, um, yeah, really like you said, helps to increase you know improve uh, for me productivity as well, productivity and well being. You know, like going for a hike during lunch or after work or uh, go for a swim in the morning definitely helps to uh, yeah, be more productive. <laughs> yeah, th those two things are so intertwined, right? Like our, our happiness, our well-being, our productivity. I think we kind of like in the, in the maybe the quote unquote like old way of working, you sort of like separated those two much more. But I've, I find more and more of us are really putting an emphasis on like um, making sure that our well-being is taken care of, making sure that we're like happy and excited about the things around work and then therefore like performing even better at work. Yes, definitely. Are you uh, familiar with the term green desking? No. No? So no, I, I'm intrigued. I can, yes, I'm uh, surprised that I also only jumped onto this like term a couple of weeks ago, I think, or a couple of months ago by now. Um, but it's basically this, that's, you know, it's basically means working outside in natural environments. And for me, it's kind of like similar to like working, like changing work environments, like I said, from mountains or a beach view, et cetera. Um, but it's actually proven, like there's actually data that shows that, you know, green desking or working from outside and beautiful nature, uh, helps to, uh, increase productivity and well-being. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm happy that you as well from a personal experience can uh, <laughs> testify yeah, we could, we could both testify and also like, I think, uh, probably learn a lot from like knowing that there's some like science behind it makes me even more comfortable with it because I, I'm not going to lie. Like I feel a little bit 
like ashamed sometimes, like not, maybe not ashamed, but like, I, I'm not advertising that, you know, I don't want to like play that card so hard that I'm like enjoying it, but I'm like, I really do. Like, it's not just because I like it. I just, I'm, I, I like everything about it because I'm, I'm better at my job because of it. So <laughs> that's uh that's cool that it's green desking. I had never heard that, but I love that. Exactly. Yes. But then of course, the, um, and that's what I noticed here. So now, you know, we were in Portugal a couple of months before this, and then now we're in Spain and what we really see, I'm not, and I'm really curious to hear from your experience. Um, what we really notice here is that the Wi-Fi speed is so much better in Portugal. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's this area, but it was the same in Alicante and now here in Andalusia that, um, yeah, the, the, the yeah, infrastructure is just, uh, very well organized in Portugal. So we have high speed Wi-Fi like almost everywhere in Portugal. And then here we are working with an ethernet cable, uh, and still, uh, don't have as high of speed as we have in, uh, in Portugal. Um, but yeah, I love that you have the Starlink, uh, Starlink uh, <laughs> roamer. <laughs> for I'm excited rides. about that. Yeah. I'll just piggyback off Elon Musk's technology and leave, leave the Spanish infrastructure behind. Uh, I think, I think it's setting me up for, for better success. Uh, I, I never, uh, to be honest, I never noticed that, like, um, that, that, that difference, but I'm now I'm going to pay attention to it because I do spend a good bit of time in, in both countries. But I think like in general, when I've been in Portugal, I've been in pretty heavily, like, uh, you know, in Lisbon, in, in even in the Algarve and places like Lagos or something where you're, there's, there's infrastructure there, you know, no, I'm not out like on the, uh, like in the middle of nowhere or Porto or something like that. So um, have to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's from, um, so uh, yeah, happy to, uh, to share a bit more about that. But um, yeah, based on my experience, I worked from, so Porto as well, Lisbon, Porto uh, in the last couple of months, and then also a place one and a half hour away from Porto, San, San, uh, San Pedro del Sur it's called, in the middle of the mountains. Um, and this is where the tiny house uh was located so we uh just uh had an experience you know to see if we like the tiny house lifestyle not as tiny as a camper van a little bit bigger but um yeah how how we enjoy like living more surrounded by nature and uh working remotely from a more rural area and uh we absolutely loved it and even there we were surprised with how with the high spike uh, high-speed Wi-Fi. It was wow. uh, super fast. Yeah. And you were in the, you were in like a rural area in this in this location like uh like pretty, pretty remote. It was, it was like 10 minutes away from the nearest uh, village. So wow. not, yeah. okay. not very rural, but also not very central, like Porto or Lisbon. <laughs> yeah. And so this is, uh, as I understand it, this has kind of sparked like a, a pretty cool idea that you're, you're, uh, you're ruminating on. And I don't know, we, I, I know just enough to be a little bit dangerous. Like, so I'll let you kind of describe what, what this is sparked, but I'd love to dive into it a little bit. Yes, of course. So, um, yeah, well, I, th I think the seed was planted for like a tiny house, maybe one and a half, two years ago. Um, it was actually my dad who told me like, Hey, why don't you, you know, why don't you, uh, look into this a, a bit more? And, um, I think it was COVID back then. Um, so then I was still like, you know, thinking of, you know, working remotely and, um, yeah, different, uh, working from different places. Um, so it was only until this January, I think that, um, I just woke up someday and I was like, wait, I have to, like, we have to go tiny. <laughs> um, before that, actually, we already decided that we wanted to move to Portugal. So I'm together with my partner. We live in, we're based in Rotterdam. Um, and we, yeah, we are, we're already looking into moving to Portugal last year. Um, so we've been having, keeping an eye on Idealista, 
the website for uh, for housing, for apartments, etc. in Portugal, but we just never got excited about anything. And um, yeah, when we came up with the idea of uh, of the tiny house, we were like, yes, we have to do this. Like uh, this fits with totally within our lifestyle, and you know, also with yeah, with how we see our future, living more uh, in surrounded by nature and working outside, etc. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's why since January, we've been fully focused on, uh, on our tiny house passion project, as, as I like to refer to it now, um, it started very tiny <laughs> for, for ourselves. So, um, we've been, um, basically living in this, working remotely and traveling around Portugal from different places to feel what's, you know, what area we would like to focus on to settle down. Um, so we spend a lot of time in the Algarve as well, uh, then near Lisbon area, uh, Porto as well, and then rural Portugal, as I just mentioned. Um, so yeah, for now we've decided to focus on the Lisbon area nearest. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Setubal, for example, a bit south, um, very beautiful area as well. Um, so that area and, um, yeah, near to the, to the coast with, uh, yeah, Sintra, Ericeira, et cetera. So, oh yeah, I love that. I love that area. I've been to Ericeira yeah. at least, in, or Ericeira and Sintra, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually that's, that's actually the region where we did the camper van trip. So that's why I, I think maybe also that connected the dots with like yeah, maybe we should uh, <laughs> settle down here. We really love that area, and uh, yeah, the next uh, big step is to find uh, to find the land. So we're still working on that. That's actually the biggest uh, the biggest project. Um, so we've been talking to uh, like local. Um, municipalities as well to see what is the best place for us to settle uh, and local architects who can build because we won't be building our own tiny house or not that uh not that uh handy <laughs> <laughs> me neither i get it yeah <laughs> I, i'm curious actually on that note talking to municipalities and architects so this the tiny house thing has been a big thing in the u.s for a while and i haven't seen it as much actually in in europe like um and i always find it kind of funny because it's like this really cool thing in the US where the stereotype is that you have like a big home and a big car and big yard and, and like everything's big. But then all of a sudden there's this like cool factor when you go super small, like in between doesn't make sense. You either go big or small. And, um, and if you have a tiny house, that's a very like cool hip thing. Right. But, um, but anyway, and I've thought like, well, maybe in Europe it hasn't caught on as much because things just are already a little bit smaller. And so it's like, why would I create a smaller version? Like this doesn't make any sense, but and I am seeing it. I'm, I'm seeing it catch on more and more. And, but one of the funny things is in the U S is because of that, the municipalities actually have like minimum standards, like you can't build a house under X square feet. So like the city that I was last living in, you couldn't build a house under 500 square feet, um, which is like kind of a funny thing for a government to tell you, you have to build a house at least X big. <laughs> um, I always thought that was kind of weird. Like, how can you tell me that my house is too small for me? Um, but but anyway, uh, do, you, do you find that like are, and in Portugal, the half the reason I'm asking this question is because, you know, as you know, Portugal is like the number one place in the world for expats to move to right now. People are flocking there from, from all over. And, um, and so it's becoming very popular. A lot of people that listen to the show are also interested in moving to Portugal. Um, so just curious, like when, when you start thinking about tiny homes, are you finding that the government is like making this process easier? Or is it, is it very cumbersome because you want to go small? 
Yes, great, uh, great question. And um, yeah, to answer the first part um, of you know the difference between the US and Europe, uh, I uh, can totally relate <laughs> because um, you know we were looking now into like moving into a tiny house by the end of this year, and we're actually like, well, we already kind of lived a minimalist lifestyle. We don't have a lot of stuff at home. We live in a 60 square meters, 65 square meters apartment uh, in Rotterdam. And uh, we actually just did a couple of months ago, a big cleanup of everything, like Marie Kondo style, everything, uh, uh, like getting rid of everything that we don't need anymore. Uh, and uh, yeah, we basically have only one small basement where we have a few stuff, but uh, we don't need that big cleanup. I, I guess that they need in the US and that you see in the series on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some stereotypes are real for a reason. <laughs> exactly. We actually, I, I just watched one episode of that series and then I was like, okay, that's too, uh, too, too American style for me. But um, I think it's picking up a lot more in, in Europe. And it's funny because we've been like doing our research in Portugal. Like, like I said, we've been talking to local architects as well. And um, there's not many like architects and constructors uh, specialized in building tiny houses. Um, but we managed to, um, meet with two in person. And then now we found, uh, our kind of our supplier or the, the, the company that will build it for us. And they're like, they've grown massively, especially since the pandemic, um, more and more people are, you know, seeing the benefits of working, you know, working from a smaller space and working outdoors, et cetera, and the quality of life that it provides. Um, so definitely they see in Europe a lot of uh, the increase as well. Um, but the biggest struggle is the, is the land. So yes, with municipalities, um, we've been talking to like quite some different, um, uh, yeah, different municipalities and, uh, doing research. And the most difficult thing is that every municipality is different in Portugal. So it really depends on, yeah, like it's very bureaucratic country as well. So it depends like. Who knows who and you know what's the priority of that specific municipality so um that's that's what we found very helpful is actually be there um and have conversations on the spot that's just how things uh work uh work there so um yeah and it's a very like uh, different culture as well so we've been actually just before our call we were supposed to meet with a municipality uh, that we've trying to meet been trying to meet for four times i think now <laughs> and it just keeps postponing so it takes uh, it takes a lot of time, so it's, uh, it really tests our patience too. <laughs> this is something uh, I think I think for you and I both coming from like the Netherlands is a very efficient country. Things happen like pretty precise. Things work, quote unquote. Like you just like expect things are gonna happen when they, people say they're gonna happen. And I think when you move to you know Portugal or or Spain or like I've spent some time living in Latin America. Um, like you just, you just have to get used to the manana culture and like it, it'll, it'll, it'll be okay. Like you have to relax yourself a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Luckily for me, my half Indonesian roots keep me like, you know, we're also the Indonesian part of me is still quite flexible too. So I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, it does, uh, it does take some time. And yes, there are some, like some regulations in terms of the size of the house, of the land, how much you can build, what you can do with it. And for us. I think it would be easier if it's just um, our own land and then uh, to have our own tiny house on it. But um, while we were doing this this research in municipalities, etc., we noticed that this is just the biggest problem is to find the land that has uh, the regulations. We were like, why why don't we do it for ourselves? And um, yeah, why wouldn't we 
be able to help more people with uh, with uh, this process as well. Um, so, and in the end, we don't like to live by ourselves on a like small <laughs> hut in the mountain. So we like to live, to be surrounded by like-minded people like yourself. So, um, yeah, we're now, uh, that's, I think the hardest part to have like the land that has, you know, the opportunity to have more houses on there, um, that could house more digital nomads or remote workers like you. That's super cool. So the long-term vision, uh, I know it's like, you know, early days. But the long-term vision is to have sort of like a community, like multiple homes that you could rent out to people or, or help them buy their own, build their own um, in, in this space. Yes, exactly. Yes. So, um, yeah, like I said, we would love to be surrounded by like-minded people. So, um, yeah, whether that's like having m- multiple tiny houses on our lands that we can maybe uh, rent or um, or like people can use that space for their own tiny house. Um, or like glampings or anything like that. We're just um, yeah looking to create co-create like this cool co-living slash co-working experience where you can co-work in nature, have yoga and meditation sessions outside. Um, you know, have some fun games uh, during the you know on Friday evening if you want to. <laughs> um, so that's the yeah bigger uh, bigger vision. Oh man, I hope you can build this really quickly because that sounds amazing. <laughs> I know it's not going to happen overnight, but like that, I, I know people listening right now, like myself, are sitting here going, "That's exactly that sounds like exactly the kind of thing I would sign up for and and want to do." And I and I think it also touches on, especially if there's an opportunity to like own and buy, um, you know, like to have it be your home, um, and but just be surrounded by people. Instead of just renting, like I, I think both options, having both options are, are very cool. But there's something about the like, a lot of people crave, you use this word already, like a home base. So like a lot of people listening to the show, you and I were, were involved in this remote work community. And a lot of people have, they love traveling. They like experiencing new places and exploring and all of that. But we also want a home base, a, a place that's our own, that we feel like we're investing in that we have get up that we can return to our our roots you know so to speak and um and i think that you know tackles that problem especially as like housing prices are on the rise everywhere everywhere you go if you're in lisbon or i was just back in north carolina or where i am here in germany right now in valencia everywhere you go people are talking about how inflation's crazy prices are out of out of control um, and nobody's considering like buying anything because they're like this, these prices are nuts. Um, exactly. so yeah. this solves a lot of exactly. those problems. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we figured as well, you know, we, cause we started this, uh, I think half a year, this idea half a year ago. And then we were like, it's, it just fits so, you know, perfectly in like the whole situation that we're in, um, which is not a good situation, of course, with, you know, like you mentioned the housing, housing prices, we've been looking at Adelista for almost a year before, you know, uh, really focusing on the tiny house project and it's yeah it's insane the especially lisbon i think uh, yeah like you said it's one of the or m- maybe the number one um destination for remote workers and destiny and uh, digital nomads to uh to want to move to and settle down to at some point as well but uh, the housing prices make it impossible so this would be a really good and affordable option for um remote workers and digital nomads that want to settle plus also i think the sustainability part really um attracts like-minded people like like us um, to have houses with solar panels, um, like, you know, your own vegetable garden or whatever, something that's, um, yeah, that is future-proof. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're, we're more and more people are attracted to this type of living. And, and I think the main word that you use there that 
that seals the deal is community, right? Like being surrounded by like-minded people, not, I've seen some of these things before. Um, like, uh, there, there's some in the, around the area, there's like little, uh, uh, tiny house villages that are around where I'm from back in, in the Western North Carolina. It's, it's beautiful, green mountains, cool, some cool towns and stuff around. And there's some tiny house villages there, but they're generally catering to like, um, a different clientele. Like, it's just not, it's not who we wouldn't go there and like instantly feel like we were part of it. If maybe in 30 or 40 years we would. Um, but, but right now it's like not set up for, for you and I. So, um, Anyway, I'd love to see this developed. Yeah, and that's and that's what we that's why we really want to um, uh, specifically design this for remote workers and digital nomads. So also starting with the tiny house itself. So we're actually with our architect and constructor, we're looking we're now in the process of building like a signature model that's specifically designed for remote workers with a cool home office with like a nice view um, and with the plugs on the right places. <laughs> um, so like the small details. And then, yeah, like the community. So I, uh, as you uh, are aware, I managed, um, you know, remote workers worldwide, the world's, uh, I think, largest remote work community with 90,000 plus members by now. And for me, the the power of community is just, um, yeah, in, invaluable. So uh, this would also, of course, go for the, um, yeah, for the tiny house community that we're hoping to build. I was going to say, if anybody's positioned well to like, uh, to tap into the remote work community, uh, it's you through that, like the, like, as you said, the literally the largest community of remote workers out there. Um, and, and you're running that. And so you're, you're not only tapped into that from like a, you know, a, a being able to gather the knowledge necessary to know what people want, but also like when it comes to being able to share what you're doing and, and attracting people, I think you're, you're positioned perfectly. So, um, I'm, I'm just waiting for it to happen now. <laughs> yes. I'll add you to the, to the wait list for sure. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please and do. then we can I, finally meet in person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's uh, if, if it's a remote working tiny house village that finally brings us together, that's, that's very cool with me. <laughs> yes. I, I, that's also on a vision board, like to do workations for people like, you know, you and I to, um, you know, work together and have, you know, this one month experience where we work in nature and, and, you know, uh, co-work together, um, do hiking in between work and, uh, yeah, have a dip in the pool in the morning, etc. <laughs> so uh, mapping those things out is like my, my, uh, second job and hobby. So I'm, uh, you count me in for that on any level. Like, uh, I, I look forward to it for sure. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, cool. <laughs> nice. And like you said, with the home base, I, uh, I could totally re relate to that as well. Like more people are now starting to look for a, for a home base. Um, and I'm, Curious to see, hear from your side. I think you are now st still based in uh, in Spain after nomading, maybe as well for a few years. That's how it started for me. Um, for me as well, I was a digital nomad. Uh, I don't really like to refer to that term <laughs> for myself, but uh, I kind of was a digital nomad. I think for the first two years without a home base. And um, actually, I didn't like really tell a lot of my background story. I'm just uh, realizing. <laughs> Yeah, we could let's let's do it because I I'm I don't know the answer so <laughs> I don't know the story. <laughs> right. Well, so um yeah for yeah for those of you who don't know my background yet, so I used to I'm from the Netherlands first of all. I'm from like a small town nearby Rotterdam, um, and uh, for me I always had the dream to work remotely and be able to travel. Um, so I. Upon graduation, I think it was when did I graduate? Seven years, eight years ago. <laughs> it's been a it's been a long time. Um, and 
I start, started in Latin America, actually. So uh, we did a backpacking trip in Latin America. And uh, yeah, there I wanted to figure out how to make this remote, remote work lifestyle uh, work. Um, but I didn't have any clue how to make this happen. So uh, I, like it didn't work out. But luckily for me, LinkedIn reached out to me. Um, so, uh, I, uh, yeah, LinkedIn reached out for a job opportunity at, the at the globe, at the European headquarters in, uh, Dublin, Ireland. So that's where I worked for a few years. Um, and after two years or so, I was like, I need to go back to, uh, figure out how to make remote work work. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's been five years ago, uh, today. So, um, yeah, more than five years ago now. So I've been working remotely for the last five years. Um, I didn't have a plan when I, uh, quit my job. So I just uh, quit my job, booked tickets to Bali. So uh, very, uh, very cheesy, but uh, Bali is where I think all the digital nomads uh, go to figure out how to make this work. And uh, for me, it worked. So um, I uh, started my own uh, consulting practice there, uh, helping people with uh, personal branding uh, on LinkedIn specifically. So how to build your personal brand so you can stand out from the crowd and attract the right opportunities for you, whether that is remote job opportunities or clients as a remote worker or freelancer, etc. Um, so I've been doing it as a digital nomad for two years, I'd say. So I've been living in different places from Bali, uh, Colombia, uh, US as well for a time in Portugal. Um, and then just before the pandemic, I decided to settle down or to have my home base in the Netherlands. So uh, I chose the right time um, to be back with family. So uh, for me, I've been working from home mainly uh, since, uh, since then. Um, and that's why now I don't consider myself a digital nomad. So I was curious to hear about your, your thoughts as well in terms of digital nomad versus remote worker. Because many people, I feel like when they start the remote journey, they think of you know, becoming a digital nomad. And um, I think at some point, almost all digital nomads want to have a fixed home base but they still want to have the freedom and flexibility to work from wherever they feel the happiest and most productive. Um, so now I just consider myself a remote worker. Um, we actually changed the name of our community, uh, remote workers worldwide we're called right now, but we were called digital nomads on LinkedIn initially. Uh, I didn't so, catch uh, that. When did that change happen? Was it recent? No, that was already after a year, I'd say, maybe just before or during the pandemic, just because we noticed that many remote workers don't refer to themselves as digital nomads. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I think that was like a, a transition that happened right around, like because of the pandemic in a lot of ways, because a lot of the people that were remote workers were also digital nomads. It was just such a small percentage of people that were fully remote. And, um, and so like now you have people with all, from all walks of life that have access to remote work by default. And they're like, they're like, I'm not nomadic at all. Um, in, in my case, I'm like the people I get, I actually got called like here in Germany. It was really funny. A guy, we were sitting in a coffee shop. We started chit chatting and he was like, wait, are you one of those digital nomads? And I was like, I thought it was so funny the way he, like he was looking at me like a, like he had to like poke me and see if I was real. Um, and I was like, yeah, I guess so. I was like, but I think I'm a I'm not really a very good nomad. Like I lived in the same place in Valencia for like almost five years, uh, like literally the same apartment. And I've, I've been in basically like a few countries for about a year now, uh, in a few Airbnbs. Like, so I'm not very nomadic at, at all. And definitely if like I had to classify myself in one of the two, I'm, I'm much more of a, a person that's just, I'm a remote worker with location independence. And I, I enjoy like utilizing that to, to get a change of scenery and, and, uh, exactly. yes. that feels good for me. 
Exactly. Yeah, I actually did a, did a post, I think last week or something, that you know, remote work is not about travel, it's about freedom. So I think the freedom part is what connects the remote worker and digital nomads. But, you know, it's not like you always need to be on the road and travel full time to be either a remote worker or a digital nomad. I also think it can be, I, don't, I would be curious if you feel the same, like it can be very... Um, like uh, relieving or uh, uplifting or something. There's a there's a word that's escaping me that I would prefer to use, but it's like uh, to to unburden yourself of this need to like always be traveling and to always be exploring and seeing new places just because you have the ability to, um, and instead embracing that that ho- that ho- feeling of being home and having your community and your routine and friends and all of that. Like that's that's very important. I think that's maybe what most um, digital nomads or remote workers are looking for, just a place where they feel at home, but it doesn't necessarily have to be where you're born, right? But it has the the like-minded community and the, yeah, I think, again, the community is the crucial element (laughs) in, uh, in, in this lifestyle. Absolutely. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. Hey guys, so many of you write in asking some form of the question, how can I become a digital nomad or location independent professional? And there are obviously a ton of ways to answer that question. I also don't have all the answers, which is why I'm so excited to be partnering up with my friends over at Noma. And they have created the Nomad Academy, which we are going to be launching here very soon. You can get access to the course with $250 off by using the link in the show notes and entering the code chase250 at checkout. This is a course that's going to be taught by some of the leading digital nomads in the world. I can't wait to learn from them myself. And I'm also really excited to be teaching a course there. So if you want to join us, go to the link in the show notes, click on it, and then enter the code chase250 at checkout and become that digital nomad and location independent professional that you have always aspired to be. Hey guys, if you're still around and enjoying this episode, then I think you might like my buddy Matt Bowles' podcast as well. He hosts The Maverick Show, and he's also a former guest here on About Abroad, telling very similar stories, bringing in people from around the world that he meets on his travels as he runs his location-independent business from various foreign corners of the world. If you guys are enjoying About Abroad, I'm pretty sure you'll like his show. So go over to the show notes, check it out, and give it a listen. I think you'll like it. I have a question for you. It's going to be super basic uh, um, on the uh, on the community thing, like LinkedIn community. So uh, I'm a little bit embarrassed to even ask this because it shows my naivety. But you know, here we are. Um, what, like on LinkedIn, you have these communities that, like for instance, you run the largest remote work community. If I post something in that community, is it also public on my regular LinkedIn profile? Or it just goes to the people yes. in that community. And am I the first person to ever ask you this? And do you think I'm an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so happy, actually, that you asked me this question. You know, um, they uh, um, I heard about this analogy a couple of years ago about the last thing a fish notices is the water. Um, and that's what this. that I'm like, really? Like, people don't know how to use LinkedIn. So you use it, you refer to it as LinkedIn communities. So it's let me tell, just give you the basics of, you know, the LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> yes, give me the crash LinkedIn, course. <laughs> yes, LinkedIn fundamentals. Um, because, yeah, it's, it's funny. You as a LinkedIn top boys as well, right? That, um, yeah, and I don't um, even know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'd love to have you have more of you and yourself as well, of course, inside the community. So, um, yeah, for LinkedIn, um, so basically you have your own personal profile where I see 
you know, people like yourself posting a lot of valuable content on your own personal feed. And this is where your own personal network gets to see your content. So that's great. I think you have lots of followers as well. Um, so then the people who follow you basically get to see your content. Um, now we also have LinkedIn groups, um, which actually, to be honest, quite sucks. <laughs> the feature itself compared to Facebook groups, for example. Um, however, for some reason, my LinkedIn group, <laughs> Remote Workers Worldwide, took off during the pandemic, and it's actually now one of the most active and engaged communities on LinkedIn. Um, like I said, we're currently 92,000 members, so I think we're going to hit the 100K uh, very soon. Um, and basically, a group is a separate kind of environment from your personal profile. Um, so you need to go to LinkedIn, type Remote Workers Worldwide, and then you can click to request to join the community. So you actually, we do a, you know, quite some, uh, we invest quite some time in reviewing every single person that joins the community to review every content that comes in to make sure that it's highly valuable, uh, to make sure that the community is very active and engaged and high quality. So um, you actually have to go into this community and request to join before you were able to publish. So then um, you basically get access to a separate feed where you can publish your post. For you, Chase, uh, I'd love for you to be more active on there as well, of course. And uh, it can be super easy, like repurposing content that you post on your personal profile um, and just copy and paste the, the text and then post the same message in the group and then with the same photo. Photos always work really well. Stories work very well. There's very cool, like inspiring stories of people working from anywhere and how they, you know, also quit their job without a plan <laughs> uh, and made this lifestyle happen uh, or just asking for advice as well. It's really about you know, connecting with like-minded people. Um, so yeah, that's basically the kind of the rundown of the fundamentals of how to use the, <laughs> the LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn groups feature and uh, LinkedIn in general. I learned a lot in like two minutes there. So, uh, and I'm, I'm sure other people did as well. Um, yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense actually now. Like it's, it's obviously very, very simple, but I've, I found myself um, not fully understanding that. And I'm, I'm also really excited because you've invited me to to be more active uh, there as, as one of the uh, ambassadors. So that's going to be really fun for me to dive into and uh, and get involved with your with your community more. And I, I love that there's uh, one of my favorite things about this whole like remote work movement is the, the mindset that so many people have taken, which is like a build in public sort of uh, approach to how we're all trying to figure this thing out and sharing how we do things, best practices, tools, um, store inspirational stories, things like that. But it's all with this like, uh, like pay it forward mentality. And, and I, so I love that you underlined that as a, as a key part of the community. And I think for people listening, um, many, I would say a majority of the messages I get um, through the podcast uh, from the listeners is, are, are a lot of people looking for remote work, looking for ways to build a location independent lifestyle, um, you know, and, and they're, they have a lot of, there's a lot of sub bullet points under those, those topics. But I imagine in, you know, I, or I know for a fact in your community, uh, there's a lot of great info there for people. So like, we'll have a link in the show notes for sure. Like people go check that out, join, um, get active in there and, and start learning for Cause they can probably answer your questions better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and exactly. We have, yeah, I have the exact same. We get like tons of questions every single day about how to start working remotely, how to find a remote job, etc. Um, so, like, best, you know, my top advice would be just to, you know, go into the community, ask for advice, share your lessons learned, your stories, uh, any tips. 
Um, and that's why we also invite people like you, Chase, as an ambassador um, to uh, yeah, help you, first of all, know how to uh, post inside the community <laughs> and uh, be, yeah, share your insights and your stories because uh, it's just uh, super uh, valuable for our members. Um, and, and yeah, like what I think is also the key benefit is, you know, if you don't have a lot of followers, you don't need a lot of followers to get a lot of eyeballs on your content. You have 92,000 people who could watch your content related to remote work by just joining the community and posting uh, inside there. Yeah, let's help, let's help Mandy get to 100K. Uh, I would love to see that. Like, you know, let's see, let's watch that number spike uh, after this uh, after this episode. So go go follow just for my vanity, uh, <laughs> if nothing else. Um, yes, that's. I was actually thinking like I should create like uh, maybe you will do that. So if we yeah, I have to. I'll think of a competition, something fun. We actually um, that's what we've been working on in the last few weeks, months, uh, is onboarding a couple of like selected brand sponsors that we feel are in alignment with our community. So we have SoWork, we work remotely, uh, and there's also uh, a few others that we're about to confirm right now, but that we can do really cool kind of giveaways with. Um, and I was thinking like to do like a fun competition to uh, grow, to hit that one, get one hundred thousand members, uh, hopefully uh, soon. So um, yeah, excited oh, to that uh, have more fun. people join. <laughs> I love it. Um, Going a slightly different direction, but I've I've meant to ask this earlier, and I'm just I'm kind of, I'm very interested because I know like obviously as we mentioned earlier, Portugal is such a a popular destination, but it's popular for people for for many different reasons. Um, and a lot of people that listen to the show are coming from outside of Europe, and then there's a, a large a decent percentage that are coming from you know they're they have a European passport. Um, the ones from outside of Europe are often really attracted to Portugal because the D7 visa, um, now they have a digital nomad visa. They make it easy to, to get in. They also have like advantageous tax, tax breaks and things like that. So, and then you throw in the good weather, the cost of living, all these things. Um, so there's lots of reasons why people choose Portugal. Um, so I'm curious from your standpoint, um, being that you're from the Netherlands, you could in theory live anywhere in, in Europe and in many other places around the world. Um, what is it for you that, that's drawn, made, you know, made you choose Portugal and then also like anything that you've learned along the way that, you know, might be beneficial for others to know if they were thinking about making a similar move? Yes. Great. Uh, great question. Um, yeah, there are a couple of reasons you named a couple of them already, like the weather is one of them. So, you know, I've been, I've been spending, I've been working remotely from Portugal since end of January this year. And basically I've been working from the balcony or from like outside, um, most part of the week. <laughs> so except for today, I'm currently in Spain and it's raining, uh, <laughs> raining today in Spain, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's been it, like, the weather is just so different than in the Netherlands where it hasn't been above 20 Celsius uh, degrees, um, in the last 180 days, uh, almost most of the majority. <laughs> So the quality of life is just so much better with, um, with the weather that there is in Portugal. And I think in general, the quality of life with, you know, the nature and the scenery with, you know, you have the coast, um, in the Algarve, but you also have the mountains in Sintra and in the, in the North, you have the city life with, uh, uh, with the expats in Lisbon and Porto. So that combination I think is, um, yeah, it's just, um, something that you, that I haven't found, uh, in many other European countries, um, for example, the digital nomad scene uh, in Portugal is is huge. So um, yeah, you're probably familiar with the numbers on nomad nomad list. Um, 
I was in Lagos in the south uh, of the in, in the Algarve uh, in January or February, and I went to this digital nomad meetup, uh, and I was expecting to see no, but nobody because it was winter. You know, it's a small place, um, but there were fifty to seventy people on like a weekly meetup. Yes, so. That's this wild. That's stuff. a big number. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. I mean, Lagos is not a big place. Like, you're not talking about exactly. Lisbon or Barcelona <laughs> or something. Like, that's huge. Exactly. Imagine the big cities, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, and that's for for a reason. Like, uh, Portugal is very popular for remote workers, but also, like I mentioned before, the infrastructure with the high speed Wi Fi um, is something that um, yeah that Portugal is doing very well in combination with the digital nomad visa that for me is not very relevant, but for people outside of the outside of Europe is uh, is definitely a game changer. So I highly recommend looking into uh, that. Um, but last but not least, for me, what um, made the final decision is something uh, that uh, that's more on a personal level, and that is that my twin sister actually have a identical twin sister living in Porto. So uh, she's been trying to convince me to come port- to move to Portugal for a few years now, and uh, I uh, finally. Uh, decided to uh, make make the leap yeah you gotta please the sister uh no not a not a like twist my arm right like okay fine i'll move to portugal uh it could it could be worse <laughs> um yeah i think the the quality of life that you mentioned is just like so so important i, I also found this in spain and it, i feel for me it's like i could flip a coin and live in in either country um you know, I, I enjoy like moving around and living in different places. So that could probably be said for a lot of different places, but I feel really, really comfortable in, in Portugal and, and Spain. And I think, uh, one thing that Portugal really has that, uh, is this like thriving expat and digital nomad remote worker community. Um, like that, that example you gave of being in Lagos and like having that kind of meetup is, is wild. Um, and, and so I, I don't think that should go like, undervalued like that should people should really consider that when they're moving abroad because it can be even in a big city it can still become like kind of kind of lonely um you have to really like put yourself out there to find people who are in a similar situation and um and that's a that's so that's a big deal exactly and loneliness is one of the top challenges right as a remote worker digital or digital nomad so it's super that's why again community i think is is crucial to you know be happy and uh, productive while working remotely just working remotely by yourself from a tiny house in the mountains doesn't make you happy i believe so you know having a community whether that's virtually by joining the remote workers worldwide community for example but also in person uh communities uh is um yeah it's uh really uh they're really important so um definitely portugal is uh high scores high on that list um because of the thriving nomad community for sure love it Love it. Well, um, I hope to, uh, I hope we'll get a chance to meet up there before, before too long. I'll be coming through Portugal, a, a decent amount over the next year or so, I think. And, um, it's, uh, it's on the list for me as like a potential place where we may settle down as well. So, uh, we're, we're exploring lots of options. <laughs> I will ask you high my list now for, uh, for what, once we have secured our land. So, uh, I, uh, will, I will for sure invite you uh, once we have that solved. But uh, until then, I'm, I'm curious to hear from you as well, Chase, um, because I know you're now in Germany. You're based in Spain, uh, and you cur- you recently have uh, secured your uh, EU visa, if I'm uh, correct. So, what are your plans moving forward, both personally, like living wise, but also uh, business wise, with uh, with the about about abroad podcast? 
Ah, uh, yeah. Good, good set of questions. Thank you. Um, so interestingly, like uh, I did just like for some context for someone who who may not know uh, the background, I just moved from what was called Europe or Spanish temporary residency to European permanent residency. Um, so like the main core, the core differences there, like uh, temporary residency, you have to apply to renew it every couple, every one or two years, depending on your visa. Um, it's very possible you won't get approved. Um, it's also like a headache and costly and all those things. But the, the real big problem there is that you can't really plan very far ahead. You don't feel very comfortable, for example, buying a home. Um, if you're not sure if you're even going to be able to stay, uh, things like that. So you're also like not, you don't have access to like social security and, and a lot of the things that people move to Europe for, um, you're sort of like a, just a permanent tourist in a lot of ways. And then the other big thing is that I could only live in Spain. Um, so what I've moved to now is called European permanent residency. I can actually move to any country in Europe, uh, which for Europeans, people are Europeans are always like, Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Like, uh, why, why do we even distinguish between the, why is this important? Why is this relevant? But for an out ex, a non-European for an American like me, uh, it's a big deal. So now I can move, I can, I could always travel, but I couldn't like move from Spain to Portugal, for example, because I had a Spanish visa and Portugal would say like, no, you can't open a bank account. You can't sign a contract. Um, things like that. The third thing is that I can work locally in Europe now. So if I wanted to, for some reason, get a local job, um, I could. So those three things are, are all like kind of the core differences. And so with that freedom comes Pandora's box of uh, the, the paradox of choice where you're like, oh, I have all the freedom in the world. Where do I go now? Should we try something different? Um, and so that's where I'm at. Um, I'm kind of planning on our plan is to travel for like a year and a half and spend three, four, five, six months in, in a handful of different places. Um, Portugal is one of those places because it's kind of like on the list. We may very well return back to, to Spain, um, but we wanted to, uh, you know, just explore like a few other countries, a few other cities that have always kind of called to us or we really enjoyed visiting and just spend a little more time there and, and just see, like, you know, see if it's a place we want to settle down. So we have a few pins in the map. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I'm curious just to hear, you're currently in Germany and I feel like you've been there a couple of times. Um, how is the remote work community in Germany? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> not not that great where I am, to be honest. Like, so it's, it's a big piece of the pie that's sort of missing um, where we are here. It's, it's wonderful for, for like, uh, if you wanted to like settle down in a, in a more like family friendly environment and it's beautiful for the nature and it's actually like very lively for the, for the size city that it is. Um, there's a lot going on, but there's not like a ton of, there's not a very good like expat or nomad community, uh, really, really at all. Uh, it's funny, like we've like posted on like expat communities, like online to like ask questions and gotten like no responses when we're used to getting like 50 responses, you know, in, in, in other places, but, but it's been really beautiful. Like we wanted to come to this specific area because you're right at, um, so I'm in like the Southwest of Germany and you're right on the border of France and Germany and Germany and Switzerland. So you're like 25 minutes from both borders. And so within 30 minutes, you can be in one of three countries. Um, you're right in the middle of the black forest. You have like a decent sized city with co-working spaces and cafes and an airport close by to fly all over Europe and the world. Um, so there's a lot of like pros. And, and the big one was 
after spending five years in like a very dry, arid Mediterranean climate, we were really craving like green. Like that's all we kept saying. We're like, I just want green. Um, and this place is like super green. <laughs> so that was, that's been nice. I think, I think I, I even heard a bird chirping in the background. Is that it's right? It's the most chirpy place I've ever been. <laughs> like there's, there's so, we say it all the time, but like, it's just, it's like Pleasantville. There's just like birds chirping. It's green and mountainous and uh, very clean and nice. And it's, it's funny. You just like want what you can't have sometimes. And um, for this like period of time, it's been, it's been perfect. And, uh, and yeah, really enjoyed I it. I love that. I love it actually. I had the same the same in the tiny house in the in the north of Portugal. Uh, you had birds chirping, and there was like a small waterfall that was dripping in the background during my meetings. And then people were always like, "Oh my god, do, do I hear like a waterfall? Do I hear birds?" And, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I, I really need that. That's like my my criteria for my for the land. It's like a land that has birds, that has natural sounds, and uh, yeah, like uh, <laughs> last year we uh, we we were up in the we spent the summer in in the swiss alps and at this place we were like we, we were doing like a month in the camper van there and literally right out the like you'd open the door and you'd look out and there was just this like massive waterfall like i couldn't even i mean huge waterfall and i remember at that same time there was all this chatter going on about how like remote work was bad because you don't have the water cooler talk like everybody was like oh you got to have the water cooler where do those serendipitous conversations happen and uh And like, I couldn't just like this cheesy line came to my mind. I was like, who needs water coolers when you've got waterfalls? And, um, and but I, that's like stuck with me. I'm like, I, I, I'll trade that, that water cooler talk for, for a view of this beautiful waterfall any day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think it really helps again with that, you know, uh, sense of like well-being and productivity, just being surrounded by nature and even hearing nature. Um, my sister said said that um very well when she um visited us in the tiny house she was like you yeah the importance of the five sentence five senses so like the seeing the nature but also hearing and smelling the the, the yeah the smell of the nature etc really helps i think uh in how you feel and how you come across in the in work totally <laughs> yeah it's these are these are all like important elements that we get to embrace and i've i feel super lucky like uh Maybe lucky is not the right word, but I'm like very thankful and grateful that that this has become such a reality. Because I think, like you, um, I sort of like dove into this. Like I, I always, I've always worked remotely, but I didn't have location independence early on, and I wanted to travel and be able to change. Like I wanted to have that ability to go work from nature or another country or another time zone or whatever if I if I so wanted to. And like, and a lot of that was because I thought it would be good for me, of course, also fun and exciting at the same time. But I was like, this will, this is how like, I need to like live my life. This will keep me stimulated. And, um, and it wasn't always the case. Like, you know, had to make like, I also had to like make that break from, uh, like, a you know, a good job at a good company and, and leave behind like good pay and take pay cuts and, you know, make sacrifices just to have like this freedom. Um, and, uh, and I'd like for it to be like more accessible for everyone. And, and it's becoming that way, which I think is awesome. Super cool. Yeah. I, I was just about to ask like more of your background as well. So I'm happy that you brought it up. <laughs> and uh, that, that, that's, that said, I'm um, reminding me of one question that I had for you uh, as well about the, so with your vision about, with, about abroad. So uh, you also started this as a passion project, I think. So you mentioned, you know, you want to help more people 
as well. That's why I think you started this uh, this podcast. I'm just really curious to hear more about uh, your vision, if you're happy to share. Or yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's a, I, I need people to ask me this question because, you know, I'm like a one man show over here with, a, with an awesome team behind the scenes that does all the production and and everything. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as like vision and stuff, it's, it's on me to figure out and you're totally right. <laughs> I, I just started this as like a, a fun little side project that I thought would be, uh, an interesting way to maybe answer some people's questions and have some com- interesting conversations with people. And I'm also like a podcast junkie, always listening to podcasts. So I was like kind of interested to know how to make one just for my own curiosity um, but yeah, mainly you're, you're right. Like I was starting to get, especially as remote work was exploding during the pandemic and, um, and like also as I started like sharing a bit more content about how to get, like how to get the visa that I was on, for example, in Spain or some other visas that I had gotten in other countries, like those two things intersected in this, in this weird time and space where there were so many questions coming in, just like, um, that I couldn't, I legitimately was like, you know, I'm not getting paid to do this. I'm not like a remote, I'm not a move abroad consultant. Um, and I wasn't aspiring to be, uh, but I did want to like answer those questions for people. So that was the sort of like Genesis of this idea. It was like, maybe I can answer those questions and, and give some inspo, um, through this, through this format, which would also be fun to learn, but yeah, it's evolved now and there's like a growing community around it and um, some really amazing people that, that tune in and, and share. And, um, and so we're sort of at like an inflection point of like, we need to do, we need to maybe like take the podcast to the, to the next level and what that means exactly. I'm, I'm sort of unsure. So if you're listening out there and you have ideas, um, I think you know this, but I'm welcome. I welcome your, uh, your opinions on what we can do better and, and how we can reach more people and help people in a, in a deeper, more meaningful way. Um, and also provide some entertainment along the way. Um, one of those things, I don't know if you, what your thoughts are, but like one of those things is people tell me you need to incorporate more video. Um, like, and, and so I never have used the video because I wanted to optimize for a good podcast. And some people aren't comfortable on video, but um, so we have a YouTube channel, for example, but we don't use the video on there. It's just a thumbnail with the audio for people that want to listen there. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are. If you have any advice, I'm I'm open to it because you've obviously built the biggest community in the world for for the same types of people. So I would I would value your opinion. <laughs> but, well, it's, it's really fun to so it's really cool to hear your stories. Well, and I think we come from the same background that's you know it's that we both started our both our initiatives from from a passion uh for you know bringing the remote work vision to life and helping other people um to achieve like a freedom lifestyle you do it through a podcast i do this through the community and for me it's only been since a couple of months ago that i was like okay where we actually have the world's largest remote work community we need to like you know i'm sure we can have a bigger impact if we if i actually invest more in um yeah into this uh, into this project so um i've been doing that i'm still uh, the same like you like work it's a work in progress as well and actually this morning um i just woke up and i was like i need a website <laughs> so i just this morning i woke up and i just uh went to wix and i never used wix before and now half of the website is uh is um is like life <laughs> or like uh <laughs> Is there so uh, I like to figure things out as well, like you did with the podcast, like figure figure things out by learning, <laughs> learn by doing. 
Um, and um, that's now when you were talking, I was like, actually, this would be a really cool, like, I don't know, co-brand initiative if we can host your podcast, maybe. Because I was thinking when I created the website, I was like, we need a podcast, but I'm, you know, I'm not like, I don't have the the um, aspiration to start a podcast myself. Uh, and I, I am thinking of starting more videos, like doing live events on LinkedIn uh, with experts like you. Um, so doing more videos. So I think there's a beautiful alignment that we definitely have to uh, work out <laughs> after our, our uh, this uh, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I agree. Uh, so that there we some good came from this already. Um, we can we can do a live version of about abroad on the uh, remote workers worldwide, and okay. uh, and then see how it goes. We're gonna I'm turn down. the tables the next time, and I'm gonna <laughs> interview you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. I love it. I love it. Uh, I also did. Did I also read somewhere um, that you so you tried to start like a, a travel blog of some sort or something like that at first or, or started out blogging? Because I, I asked because I did the same thing and abandoned it very quickly, like total, oh, yeah. total failure. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that's usually so I, I um uh, shorted my introduction story a little bit because also part of you know what I did in South America uh, when I graduated and I went to South America to figure out how to work remotely. I initially started a uh, a blog with my twin sisters, <laughs> so that's because back then this was twenty sixteen. No, this this was twenty fourteen fifteen, I, I guess. And most digital nomads that I knew were bloggers, travel bloggers. So we thought, okay, we have to start a travel blog. So. We just started an Instagram account. <laughs> we were called the Backpacking Twins. <laughs> very, uh, very cheesy. We had a logo of five dollars, I think, that we got from like Fiverr or something like that, and uh, we just started like posting our adventures, uh, but didn't make a single cent. So um, that uh, also uh, <laughs> got uh, suspended. And uh, for me, then LinkedIn reached out to me. So that's how my journey continued uh, after that. But that is uh, very hilarious. similar. Literally, <laughs> your story could almost be my story. Uh, I'm not kidding. Literally, same timeline. Uh, 2015 started in South America. I was living. I moved to Ecuador. Um, was in Ecuador. Started this travel blog called On Purpose Wanderer. That was had a very similar mindset to what I'm trying to do here with About Abroad. But I re I realized super fast that like writing um, takes me like costs me like so much energy and like brain power and. Um, and I just like, didn't enjoy it. Like I was like a couple months in and thinking like, this is how I'm going to make money somehow, uh, barely knew anything about like affiliate links or whatever. And I was like, I don't know how, but every, like you, like everybody's a travel blogger. I'm just going to do that. And, uh, and anyway, yeah, I was like very, very quickly was like, you know, bought a five, $5 logo on Fiverr, fired this thing up. And then was like, I hate this. Uh, I hate, I hate doing, I, I don't like any part of this. And, uh, so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. And I think it's really, um, yes, cause actually I love writing. So that's why I love like blog posts are a bit too long for me, too long for it, but I love like writing the short posts on LinkedIn. Um, but for me it's, it's videos for, or videos or podcasts that take me forever just because I would be preparing forever. And like with writing, it's just, I can write it. And then and now with ChatGPT, it's even faster. <laughs> so that's uh, that's great. <laughs> but uh, I think everybody has their own kind of zone of genius on how to spread your message. And you found your zone of genius in with this podcast. And um, for me, it's the LinkedIn community. So I think if we combine those forces, we uh, could amplify our uh, our message with uh, yeah with combining those forces. So uh, 
yeah, funny to hear that uh, that you came from a blogging background too. <laughs> well, you all heard it here first. Uh, you can catch us over at the uh, Remote Workers Worldwide group in, in LinkedIn for that first episode. And um, yeah, Mandy, this is this has been awesome. Like, I have no doubt we could probably keep going for for forever, but uh, we'll save some content for for that uh, that episode, I guess. Um, yes. <laughs> Thank you again for for everything. Like I I thoroughly enjoyed this and uh, hope uh, hope you had some fun as well. Where can people follow along and and learn more? Um, We'll place all these links in the in the show notes so people can follow along. Yes, thank you. And thanks so much for inviting me, first of all. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation, too. And I already look forward to part two. Um, so for those who want to, um, yeah, follow, uh, follow me, you can of course follow me on LinkedIn, um, by my name, Mandy, uh, Mandy Franz. Um, I'm also sometimes active on Instagram, but I soon discovered that that's not my zone of genius, but sometimes I sporadically post some behind the scenes travel uh, photos, um, at make the leap with, with an underscore. And, uh, of course, uh, join the world remote workers worldwide community. So uh, I'd love to see more people active in there and sharing your awesome, cool photo, uh, travel photos and uh, stories. Excellent. All right. Perfect. Well, um, again, those links are in the show notes. So if that interests you, please go click and follow along. And, uh, Mandy, this is great. We'll hopefully see you again soon, either in the virtual world or hopefully in real life. But, um, but thanks again. And we'll, uh, we'll speak soon. Yes, speak soon. Thanks, Jace. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.